Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and with me is my faithful companion, Josh Humphreys. That's me. Josh, it's so good to have you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Always. We are uh, reading through the Bible together, and if you are a read-through-the-Bible person, this is a an important time because we finished this month. This is the month we finish reading the Bible. That's crazy. It's, it is crazy, which always times out to where you're reading Revelation. If you read through the Bible... Uh, you know, through in order, right. uh, you finish and re- you're always reading Revelation at Christmas time, <laughs> which is always just special. But uh, <laughs> but it is it is I actually do like it. But we read the Old Testament. If you want to see our reading plan, we go through a, a special reading plan, uh, fbcj.us, it, and just look for reading plan. Uh, and uh, and we have the readings for each day. It's a re- part of Old Testament, New Testament, part of Psalms, Proverbs. So you have all those things each and every day. Uh, and this past week in our reading, we are have been in First uh, John, Second uh, John, and Third uh, John, Third John, and Jude. Uh, and so a uh, little bit of a wrap. I think we actually made it to uh, Revelation. Revelation one yeah. through one, one through twenty. Are you? Do you remember Max Headroom? Does that name ring a bell at all when you no. hear the name Max Headroom? No. He was uh he had a TV show but he was also like a spokesperson for Pepsi but he was like a um this weird digital character they created mm-hmm. to and he would stutter a lot but anyway he was oh. this digital <laughs> thing but uh really bizarre <laughs> promotion from Pepsi at that time which is when I started drinking Coca-Cola um but uh, the <laughs> but anyway uh anyway that's a that's a throwback to the 80s going way back Okay so why did you bring him up uh, because I st- when I stuttered like that, it reminded oh, me of Max Headroom. Oh, yeah, I was I would, confused. Because he would he would do that. Listeners, if you that were confused, of, that kind you're of thing where book. you would do with the, you know where you oh, where like, you play it and stutter. Remember. Yep, yep, exactly. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, we're for <laughs> first second. Uh, Austin's not feeling well today, so he's just looking kind of lonely over there at the engineer lonely. table. But, um, but we are reading through first and second and third John. They were very short books, uh, letters. Jude, Revel- then we get into Revelation. But Ooh. in the Old Testament, uh, Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms. It and is really good. It is really good, and uh, and so that spread out over several days. Very good. Uh, and in Hosea, Hosea is also an incredible, oh, yeah. an incredible book. Uh, it is, it's a tough book though, uh, because he brings some pretty. God asked him to do some pretty crazy things to demonstrate what's going on, but it is, it's heartbreaking and it's also very uh, sobering. Uh, so um, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna pull up. Part the things that are meaningful to us, and there were obviously good nuggets of wisdom from Proverbs. So when we come back, we will discover what it is that stood out to Josh in the Bible reading, and I will share as well. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast. This is the section of our program where we look and see what we did read the week before and and what stuck out to us. Uh, if you're a journaler, well, you'll appreciate that these are things we've wrote down in our journal, things that stuck out as we were reading through the Word, praying that God would kind of, um, I don't know, make something stand out to uh, to give us kind of a greater understanding of what He is um, what He is sharing with us. But uh, I am going to share something from... Um, First John chapter four verses one through one through three, uh, he says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Um, there are a lot of lying spirits that are around us, which could e- easily deceive us if we don't stay grounded in the truth. That's one of the one of the most important reasons why you read uh, the Word on a regular basis is because you're being lied to constantly. The things I mean, the things you're listening to on TV, the things you hear in songs. Um, I, I was listening to a song the other day, and it was just I was just thinking, oh my gosh, everything in this song is is wrong, mm-hmm. and uh, and there are so many things that so many voices that are speaking to us. And and sometimes we don't think it's getting through to us, but there'll be something you'll think you'll think you know I I think I heard or I think this is true about something and it won't be real at all. But John John gives us a way to test whether a spirit is of God. So if you think someone is demonically possessed, here it here it is. <laughs> to be, uh, it's an easy test. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he came as a man, died, rose from the dead, and is alive today in the flesh? If you do not believe that, well, then you are not of God, and and that's um, and one of the things I I actually had this happen one time. I remember trying to get a woman who I really thought was possessed by by something, uh, very odd duck, and uh, and just really had a spirit that did not seem of God, but was wreaking havoc in the church, and I tried to pin her down and get her to say that Jesus is Lord. And she would not do it. The, I mean, the crazy part is she said she did it, but she didn't do it. You know, I mean, like she said she said it, but she didn't say it. And I had another guy there with me, and we're looking at each other going, no, you you didn't say it. Absolutely, I said it. You know, it's like, no, you didn't say it. And it was like we didn't tell her that we thought she was demonically possessed, huh. but we agreed before that we did think she was, and we were just we were just trying to get her to pray. And we said, just repeat these words. And and she would say, uh, we'd say, Jesus Lord. And she said, she would say, uh, God's amazing. God, you're amazing. You know, and, and things like, and just things like that. And it was like, it says, no, Jesus is Lord. God, you're great. And it was like, what? what? <laughs> it's like, oh, what's going on here? But uh, it was odd. Uh, but uh, but it's, it's you know, this is where that verse rang true. And, yeah. I, and I, I don't think it's just, uh, but it's it's something that you, it's not just like a litmus test kind of thing. But it is one of those things that you look and see whether a person who is telling you information, if they do not proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, not just using a word, because some people use Jesus Christ as a euphemism, but that the, Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, he is Lord, and that he came as a man, died, rose from the dead, and is alive today, and is a man today, still is a man, if, that he is still in the flesh, that he's not just a spirit being. Um, those are things that are necessary John says, uh, the Word of God says, uh, to affirm that a person is not speaking from the enemy. Um, that doesn't mean they're a Christian. It doesn't mean it doesn't. It's not what gives you salvation. It is something uh, when we believe and put our faith in that. Yes, that is what saves us. That we affirm that Jesus is who He says He is, and that He is our Savior, and and believe in Him and trust Him as such. But uh, but John says that the enemy, a lying spirit, will not. Uh, proclaim Jesus is 
Messiah and that he is um, alive in the flesh. And so, uh, and he was denouncing people who were speaking a false gospel and, and other religions and so forth. So uh, that is, um, so anyway, that's that's kind of the, the litmus test. There are huge, all, all, no other religions proclaim Jesus in this manner. So, um, so that's that's the hallmark there. Those who cannot hear the word of God, uh, it, it is re- as it is revealed, are not of God. And those who do not love as God loves are not of God. So here are, are several things he gives us that point out this is a person who is a follower of Christ. This is a person who is not. So I um I'm you know so I think the Antichrist in verse three. If you have a King James or a New King James Bible, that Antichrist is capitalized. In uh, other translations, it won't be capitalized, and I, I don't think it should be capitalized because the statement he's saying, uh, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you ha- have heard was coming and is now already in the world. He's not saying that the Antichrist of end times is already in the world. He's just saying the spirit of the Antichrist exists in the world today, the spirit of being Antichrist, the spirit of being people who do not proclaim Jesus as Lord is in the world today. And uh, and that is that is definitely um, definitely true. So so anyway, that's that's why I have. Oh, cool. Yeah, I am in Hosea two. Um, and let me just say, Hosea two is a roller coaster. <laughs> but Hose- for Hosea as well, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it is seriously probably one of my. F- uh, yeah. One Are of you going to say one of your favorite Bible passages? One of what? my favorite Bible passages, which sounds odd considering what I'm about to read to yeah. you, but the whole chapter is so good. So before I read this part, let me just tell you what I'm just going to say. Is it your favorite <laughs> passage just because of the beginning of verse two? No. Okay. Just checking. No. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was just Anyways. in case Stacy's listening. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> you'll have to look that up, Stacy. Yeah, I'm, so. um, I'm about to read it, but the whole the whole chapter two is this portrayal of sin and then God's redemption, and it is graphic and beautiful at mm. the same time. And so I'm gonna like focus on the the first part, which is very graphic, and then I'll explain that in a minute. But anyway, this is what it says: Hosea two two through five. But now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife, and I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her as naked as she was on the day she was born. I will leave her to die of thirst, as in a dry and barren wilderness. I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen, and for olive oil and drinks. And the first time I read this, I remember asking myself, why is that so graphic? Like, why, why is that so intense? And I think I talked about this last year on the podcast. I don't remember. But... Every single time I read this, it still shocks me. Like, I Mm. just, whoa, like, whoa. Like, these are the words of the Lord. Like, whoa. Like, that is just crazy. It's a very graphic thing. But why is it so graphic? Mm. It's because sin causes it. It's graphic Mm. because we need, it needs to be. It's graphic because um, this is the outcome of sin. Right. Um, And the outcome of sin is graphic. The Bible tells us for the wages of sin is death. And for us to understand 
what death means, it has to be uh, visible to us in this imagery sort of way. And so what what is happening is here is um, when it says I will strip her as naked, it's, her shame will be shown. Um, all of this stuff, uh, running out of food, you're running out of supply. All of the things that God has provided for you now is gone. His daily graces that he gives everyone will be gone one day when 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 our eternity, uh, well, when our life here on earth ends. Um, if you're not a believer, then, then this is exactly what will happen. Um, and so it has to be graphic for us to understand the graphicness of sin. And so chapter two is a beautiful chapter. Um, it encapsulates the justice, love, and judgment of God, and that sin is not a good thing. And this chapter of the Bible pictures it so well. Sin is evil, but even so, God is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and after after verses two through five, it goes in um, to even more description of of this prostitute uh, and what um, what is what justice is coming to her. But then at the end of chapter two, it talks about the redemption and how um, how God is going to draw her back in. And it's, it is so hmm. beautiful and it's powerful and it, I, wow. I mean, it just reminds me of, of us, reminds me of sin and reminds me of his, his gracious beauty and splendor and yeah everything about him. So it is, um, it, I think it is startling and, and it's, it's a reminder that God created us in his image. Mm-hmm. And so the things that, uh, w- when, when you think of adultery and the darkness of adultery and the pain that adultery brings, it's a reminder that this, that God has made us like himself and yeah. he is showing us that in the way this hurts us when yeah. we are betrayed, so we hurt him when we betray him and the darkness we bring into our, you know, that is that was being thrown onto us is the darkness we're throwing on, trying to throw onto God. And, uh, and the, uh, he is saying that this is, it is, it's worthy of judgment. And just because when you have a, uh, when a wife abandons her husband and says, I'm going to turn to my lovers for my welfare and my care, it's a statement about how she believes what she believes about her husband. You're mm-hmm. saying that, you know, I mean, Really, when a woman does that, she's really saying that uh, my husband's no good, loser, right. whatever. Right. And this is what you're saying about God. And he's saying, mm-hmm. this is not justified, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and he's trying to make a vivid point, and yeah. the point is vivid. Uh, very vivid. It is. It is very vivid. It's dark, and uh, and that is why Hosea is such a difficult book. I always, you know, Jeremiah, Hosea, or two that I I just feel for because it's like yeah. they God asked them to do something so difficult for them both to because he he said this is a really important message i need to communicate mm-hmm. to my people and you're going to pay the price for it yeah. and and they did and and yeah. it's like that's that is that is what we are called to do when we are servants of the most yeah. high god really i mean when and and when you understand and they didn't even have the greater light of revelation it's, their faith is um, um, unbelievable right. uh, you know but but we have in the greater light of revelation that we have the resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, we have the ability to say, I, I serve him. And so if he asked me to give up this life, I know I have another life to to come. Yeah. And so I can give this life up. And, uh, and that's such a, such a foreign concept in right. our, in our minds today that of, we're always trying to think of how can religion serve me? How can Christianity mm-hmm. serve me and make my life better? 
but really, the the better part is after we lose. Right now, he's just saying, I I really need you to let me do what I what right. I need to do through you, so that other people can be saved, and uh, so that they have an opportunity for repentance. So. Can you explain, just so people yeah. who are listening who may not know, like what what is Hosea going through? Like what did what did the Lord call Hosea to do? He called him to marry an adulterous woman um, and uh, a prostitute. Um, and and so, um, I mean, there's all kinds of words I can draw, but it's not, she may not even be paid, <laughs> but uh, but she still was a woman who had many lovers. And, uh, and Hosea, being a devout man, uh, would never align himself or, or see this as a person he should marry. Yet right. God says, I want you to marry this woman. And then she betrays him and leaves him. And then he buys her back. Uh, and, 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 and God says, basically you're illustrating, this is the relationship I have with the people of Israel. Right. And, uh, and it's such a, and everything and that, and the children he has, he, he says, mm. you give them the name that represents, you know, what my judgment and so forth. It's just a, it's just a tough, tough thing, but, but it, but he's trying to show that this is really a dark moment in the nation right. of Israel. Yeah. And, and so it's like, I'm, you're going to illustrate this. This is yeah. what I'm asking you to do. None of the prophets really <laughs> had no. what I would call yeah. an easy road um, because what God has to do, you know, we walk naked for whatever years and, yeah. and, you know, and lie in the mud or whatever, right. and whatever. And uh, it all, all to make, because he's trying to get people to see what they're doing. He wants them to be shocked. Yeah. He wants people to go, what? And then, yeah. then that in their shock, then God says through his prophet, this is why mm-hmm. I'm doing this and uh, to make the message clear. Yeah. yeah. Super mm-hmm. powerful book. So if yeah, you haven't it read is. it, it's, read it, it is, it is. And, 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 and some really, uh, a lot of times when we're reading, um, you think, oh my goodness, I didn't know that passage was in that book. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a very familiar passage will stand yeah. out, and you're like, ah, oh, that's where I've heard that that's from. That's where it came from. Yeah. And if you don't recognize the passage, you'll be astounded by the amazing yeah. verses that you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good deal. Very good, very good word. Uh, I have something from um, Psalm 139 um, that... Um, that I'm going to share. I, I really am. I'm torn because there are so many things that I uh, would love to share. But Psalm 139 is such a powerful psalm. Um, he says, um, and if you haven't read Psalm 139, you have to read the whole psalm to really uh, to really get the <laughs> yeah. benefit of it. There's so many things. Again, it's one of those passages you'll recognize so many verses within it and think, oh my goodness, they're, and they're all part of the same psalm. But he says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. It is uh, it's easy to forget that God knows me better than I know me, mm-hmm. better than anyone knows me. Uh, we we tend to think that we know ourselves very 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 well. Um, we're very forgiving of ourselves, but we are like people who look in a mirror and we see ourselves, and then we walk away from the mirror and we forgot what we just saw. But God never forgets. He sees us all the time. He sees every angle of us. Um, sometimes when you see yourself filmed 
on camera or whatever, you look and think, oh, wow, that doesn't look like me. <laughs> it's like because you only see you mm-hmm. uh, face forward. I mean, and unless you see yourself in a picture or whatever, and we just don't see ourselves that right. much. Uh, but but other people are watching us all the time. So in, in a way, other people have a better grasp of us sometimes than we have of ourselves. But definitely, God knows me better. He knows also my thinking. He knows my irrational thinking. He knows my <laughs> impulsivity. He knows uh, all the attention issues that I have and so forth. He knows what I'm trying to convince myself of something when I know it's wrong. Uh, he knows when I'm making an argument uh, in my head. That's a wrong argument. And I'm I'm trying to convince myself that it's a right argument. But God knows this. And so when he answers my prayers in such a way that I don't understand or is the opposite of what I want, I have to remember he knows more than me. And and so when I'm praying, I always need to pray, God, your will. You know, I'm asking for this in my finite knowledge and limited understanding of me and all the situations mm-hmm. going on, this person and their life and so forth. And as I see it, but ultimately, I, your will is what I know is perfect. So fill in the gaps. Uh, part of that process, you say, well, what's the point of that? You know, why would why would we do that? Why would you why would you pray if you and want you to say, God, you know, and uh, it's not even worth me trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure it out is how we come to a greater understanding of Him and how He thinks yeah. and how His mind is. And then we can imitate that mind. You know, we, we then think, oh, this is how God thinks. And, you know, I see, I asked for this, and then God did this. And then I take his word and the counsel of others and, and all the different ways the Holy Spirit communicates with us. And then I come to a greater understanding of, oh, wait a second. This is how God moves in these situations. Mm-hmm. And this is the result he's coming. Now, I'm, I'm not going to get a perfected knowledge of that, but I do gain little bits and pieces mm-hmm. along the way and get a greater understanding. And so people who do that repeatedly throughout their lives do become, do begin to get the mind of right. Christ. Um, also, something I forget all the time is he loves me more than I love myself. Mm-hmm. I This is a really hard one for me because sometimes I will think I've done this, so now I need to punish myself. And so I don't deserve this blessing or I don't deserve to have a good day today. I don't deserve for God to speak through me or use me and this and whatever because my mind and my heart have not been where they need to be. And so I just need to be, I need I need to suffer today and realize that, and then I discover, and then he'll bless me at a time when I'm so unblessable. You know, he'll give me something at a time when I should not be given anything. And I'm like, why would you do that? Because, I mean, look, God, and it's like, he's like, you know, you hate you right now. Right. But I don't hate you right mm-hmm. now. And that is so hard for me to grasp. It's like, how could you not hate me yeah. in this moment? And he's like, because I I loved I knew you were like this already. I and I loved you. Yeah. Um and that's and that's why his his love and grace is so he's is so sweet. He also <laughs> loves the people around me better than I do. Um and that's something else I have to remind myself of when I think uh, surely God hates this person and wants to get rid of him. A casual reminder of no, he doesn't. And uh, <laughs> he does. He loves them even though I don't love them and I have I don't have patience or whatever. And uh, and that's why he says this is what I command you to do. I want you to love other people as I love you. And so you're discovering how I love you. And as you discover how I love you. 
I want you to take that and then apply that in your love toward others. So when I think of myself as being so unlovable and then realize he loves me in spite of that, then when I meet someone who is unlovable, then I also am to love them in their unlovable state. So mm, That's good. Well, um, I'm in Revelation. Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, 13 through 18. Mm. And this is what it says. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Mm. Once again, the imagery here is what stood out to me. It screams holy. Like it just, when you read it, you realize, wow, this being, this son of man, who we know to be Jesus, is unlike any other created being human object like he is just unlike anything else he is holy and emphasizes many 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 things about his character his might his purity his royalty his glory his power his justice his beauty his strength uh, just so many things and john's response is so very similar to um isaiah's in isaiah chapter six and it's just awestruck mm. like just completely awestruck Mm. um and it's just because he's near his presence um which is wild um and so if if we look at that just being near his presence caused him to fall on his face um, just completely being in awe of of jesus and then look what happens just like in isaiah 6 as the the cold touches isaiah's lips look what happens with what look what the son of man says um to him he says i'm the first and last i'm the living one i died but look i'm alive forever and ever but before all that he says don't be afraid he comes with comfort um and he comes with his power and his might and so even though his eyes are on fire and he has a giant sword in his hand and his hair is uh beyond white and the and his face was like the sun and all of its brilliance and his voice thundered like a mighty wave what he brings with him is comfort and peace and love um, and so we see the heart of Jesus displayed in the most beautiful and mighty way. And his beauty in his heart is just beautiful. And the hope he brings um, with it is just incredible. Um, and, he, and he brings hope with just his words. Um, and it is just like, whoa, I was reading it. And then as I was like thinking through it, um, like writing it all down, it was just like one of those things that just brings you to tears of him. Like this is the character of God revealed to us mm. in the beginning of revelation and then throughout the the rest of the book we get to see more and more and more and more of him until we end when he again says i am the alpha the omega the beginning and the end the first and the last and he says i'll be their god and they'll be my people and um his name will be on our foreheads and it is a beautiful book and um so i'm really excited to dig in for the rest of the year that is that is awesome the most often repeated command in all the scripture do not be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sweet. 
Yeah, that's um, really cool. The um, the um, Revelation. Wow, we're, you got a question there, right? Yeah. When we come back. Do. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna let's just go ahead and questions. get to let's go ahead and get to the questions, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast, where we are always looking for advertisers to put in those little gaps. <laughs> but uh, still, still, if you want to advertise on the, or you just want to promote something, we'll do it for free. We'll mm-hmm. our first our first ten advertisers free. Absolutely no. That's interesting. <laughs> could so, be me. Could be you, Josh. Could be you. You could advertise something. Well, hey, I have some questions. Sweet. Um. If you don't have questions about Revelation, well, read Revelation. <laughs> <That's> and <laughs> How can you not have a yeah. question about Revelation? <laughs> right. Exactly. Same thing about Hosea. How can you not have questions about these books? Um, so let me let me start in Revelation 1. Revelation okay. 1, chapter 4. I'm sorry. Verse Revelation four. chapter 1, verse 4, speaks of the sevenfold spirit. Mm-hmm. What is that? Who is that? All that. Well, and when we get into this, there's uh, anytime you're getting through trying to do exposit, um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of exegete. There's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Trying to exegete (laughs) a a revelation. It is a it's a tricky task because it's prophetic literature and so forth. And so there's a lot of uh, prophetic language we're trying to figure out what uh, he is talking about. the uh, one of the things uh, there's a couple of couple of ways you can look at it. One is seven spirits is seven is a complete number, and so you could just be meaning that is the spirit of perfection. But 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 the fact that he has just referenced the seven churches, uh, there's this idea in the spiritual realm uh, that uh, that we have that there is a um, a spirit that is represented by each of the um, churches themselves. Uh, one of the things that it's like the seven, like seven angels that are from the, um, the, uh, you know, seven angels also representing the churches and forth. Right. And, and thinking of, um, um, in the spiritual realm there, you know, that when I think of, uh, like the prince of the power of prince of Persia and mm-hmm. so forth and, and the stronghold that is there, uh, sometimes the spirit that is there is something that perseveres beyond the people. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, that's, I mean, there's only one Holy spirit, but, uh, either of those takes could be true that he's just saying, these are seven representatives of the, of the seven churches, uh, or just simply that the sevenfold spirit means the perfected or the perfect Holy spirit, um, of God, um, in the, um, uh, is, um, uh, but it, anyway, the fact that it's between God and that it says, and from the seven spirits before is thrown, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Uh, the fact that it's put in that context it makes me lean a little bit more that he's just talking about the Holy Spirit. And, gotcha. But um, but again, it could be. Right. He'll straighten that out. Yeah. So any any revelation? <laughs> I just preface that for all revelation questions. Right. God, God will have to straighten me out on that That's at true. some point. Yeah. Okay, this one is not as much as like a prophetic question, but mm-hmm. um, just an in general question about our relationship with the Lord once we are in are in that and have been changed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, Revelation one six um, speaks of how uh, God has made us a kingdom of priests, and so what okay. does that mean that He has made us um, a kingdom of priests? Well, there's a there's kind of a prophecy in and there's a day there's Back in the Old Testament, when Moses is looking forward, that there will be a time when 
all of us that you know, he prays that all of us will have access to uh, the Holy Spirit and so forth. And there's this idea that uh, that it, in the Old Testament that there will come a time when it won't just be the a select group of people who are able to enter into the presence of God uh, and to minister unto him, but that we will be a kingdom of people who have access to God. And the New Testament reveals that this is that this has taken place, that we are indeed a kingdom of priests, that now we, because Jesus is our high priest, that we serve as his priest, as followers of Jesus Christ, mm. that he, uh, the priesthood of Melchizedek, uh, and he is uh, given this position of, like I said, of, of the the priest, um, uh, the highest of priest, uh, and the priest of priest, uh, and that he is that he is the one who ministers directly to the Father and, and, and so forth. But we uh, we are brought into the holy of holies through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are given access to the throne through Jesus Christ. We are given the ability to talk and intercede uh, with God uh, through Jesus Christ. And so, uh, so yes, we are a kingdom of priests. Gotcha. We 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 our doctrine that we use to d- define that is called the priesthood of all believers. Mm. So, gotcha. Okay. So this next one is from the book of Hosea. Um, and Hosea, right in the beginning chapter, talks about um, Gomer mm-hmm. um, having three children, and their names are Jezreel, uh, Not Love, and Not My People. Right. Um, very odd names. Yeah. Um, and if you can imagine a toddler running around and be like, hey, come here, Not My People, that'd be very weird. But anyway, one of the names is Jezreel. It's unlike the other two names. Um, right. And so who is Jezreel? Why is that name important? And who is King Jehu? Because the other two names kind of help you uh, a little more. It gives you a little more information right. of what their names mean. But who's right. Jezreel? Who's Jehu? And why is Jezreel's name important? Jehu goes back to um, King Ahab and um, um, and um, <laughs> Jezebel. Thank you. Oh, and uh, and the um, the Ahab, of course, is king of Samaria or Israel. Uh, Samaria is the capital of Israel. But uh, the uh, he is. There are no Israel. Once Israel and Judah divide, there is no. Um, there are no godly kings of Israel. But uh, Ahab and Je- uh, Jezebel take it to a. She's a foreign woman that he marries, and a Baal worshipper, and and um, um, anyway, yeah, Asherah, and um, and so anyway, they. She's evil. And so she she has she convinces her husband to kill Naboth just to take his vineyard and uh, and and a lot of other evil things. And so God pronounces judgment against her and he uses Yehu as an instrument, a means by which to destroy the house of Ahab. And uh, and then Yehu becomes king. It's very similar to how he uh, so so the bloodshed that Yehu brings is a righteous bloodshed because he's been given this edict by God, but it's very similar to the way that God uses Persia and Babylon to carry, uses Nebuchadnezzar to carry out his work. He also then judges them uh, for the very thing they do. One, uh, they go beyond the scope of what God asks, but but uh, usually. And the other is that they have sinned themselves. So they're not righteous in right. themselves and being able to do it, but God is using them 
and uh, and they accomplish his purpose, but then he's like, now I'm judging you because you are also right. a sinful and idolatrous and a pagan worshiper and so forth. And so, uh, so then then the guilt comes upon them. So it's 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 just because God uses a person. It's like sometimes when people say, well, God only hears the prayer of the faithful, of the righteous. It's like mm, that's not true. God hears everything, and God will respond to things people say, but you don't get any benefit from that. The right. verse that is important to maintain is. Uh, Romans 8:28, where he says uh, he works all things together for good to those who love him mm-hmm. and are called according to his purpose. Uh, so uh, Yehu was called according to his purpose, but did not love God and right. and so pursued other gods. So it didn't work out for good <laughs> for him. Right. Uh, and so here is the judgment that uh, God is giving the house of Yehu through uh, the prophet um, uh, Hosea. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I had something that I wanted to uh, touch on that we had talked about in our last podcast. Uh, Josh had brought up, what about um, King Saul? And what is the deal with that as mm-hmm. far as why did God uh, have him and then all of a sudden relented or, you know, rejected him and so forth? And, and what was the deal with that? And Hosea addresses that in, in Hosea chapter 13. Uh, he says uh, in verse 9, he says, I will destroy you, Israel. You um, you have no help but me. Where now is your king that he may save you uh, in all your cities? And the rulers you demanded, saying, give me a king and leaders. I give you a king in my anger and take away a king in my wrath. Mm. And so he's saying that uh, he's saying you demand. I, I was there and working through the judges and I was your king. I was your God. And and then you said uh, give me a king and leaders or princes. And, um, and so I did, but it was in anger. Uh, it was, Saul was an act of judgment, uh, in a way. And again, going kind of like Yehu, it's not that God, God picked a man who stood above the rest. He picked a man who, uh, started out righteous and so forth. Uh, but he also said, uh, you're going to, you're going to regret doing this right. because this is going to go turn south for you. Yeah. And, uh, and then, it's kind of like you know God is just saying I'm I'm not purposefully doing this. Saul has the freedom to do the right, right thing, but without my help, without my aid, he's going to go astray. And so he's still judged by that. Right. Um, uh, but David was a man after God's own heart. David was the king uh, that God, uh, if they had waited, if they'd been patient, uh, then David was the person that God would have right. uh, put in in place and so forth. But the um, Anyway, uh, so um, that's uh, those those things are tough to reconcile because uh, we have so much. Uh, we're reading a story and we already know the ending and so forth. And you're also trying to think, well, did God do it for this reason or for God? Do it, you know, did, was God purposefully uh, hurting? the choose Saul and Saul didn't have any choice but to fail and so forth because you have two things at play at the same time because God is sovereign. He knows everything. I, that's It's hard right. to wrap your head around that God knows everything. And when you think of God as being um, a God who knows the past, present, and future, that he's outside of time, that he's eternal, that that he's not linear, that he that he always is, always was, always will be. And, and so everything that is happening to us on a timeline, God already knows where it's going to go. 
But he also reveals to us that the choices we make are valid choices, that I'm not a robot. I'm not just, I'm not, we don't believe in fate. <laughs> we don't believe that things have to happen a right. particular way, but God knows how they're going to happen. And he has, it's a mosaic within his sovereignty. He has allowed for free will. Now, when you start trying to figure that out, uh, your brain gets tied in a knot. Yeah. And we're just, we just have to come to terms with that it can be possible and we know it is possible because God reveals it to be so. Yeah. There, it's not a contradictory thing. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not mutually exclusive. It's not like saying it has to be hot and cold simultaneously. It is. It are things that can God's sovereignty and the free will of man. There's a tension between yeah. the two, but it it can exist. And so that's where we dwell. We have to dwell in that space yeah. of trying to figure out how to what is this. And and we don't have to figure it out. No. We say how do we how do we function? What's my role? What's my part? And definitely. There is no excuse for disobedience. There is no excuse for me not doing the things that God has revealed for me to do. And he says, I will be judged for the works that I've done. So um, so I, I need to be obedient to what he says. It's important to understand, I think, with this conversation that we have limits and that those limits, we need to be okay with our limits. Like we don't we don't have to have a complete full understanding of that right. um, to know God. Um, and that's important. And it's, it's okay to not understand God logic because it's God logic. It's that's why human. it's that's why you have to be like little children to get into the right. kingdom of God because you just have to just accept things right. that are that you can't well, yeah. know everything. Yeah, yeah, that and I think a, a great verse for that is in I think it's Job thirteen. Well, I don't remember specifically, but he um Job is talking to God and he says, "You've set a limit to the soles of my feet," hmm. and that right there is just that moment of you know what. I don't have to know what's beyond yeah. my limits and I don't I don't I don't need to either because there's a reason the, those limits are there. Yeah. And that's that's good. Uh, God is limitless, but he places limits on us. Right. And and that's and those are good things like um well what's, it's, what's it's the verse humility that, is well, what yeah. is necessary. And then what's the verse where it's um you've set me down in green pastures or what you know what I'm talking about where David says that and he he basically says you've put these limitations on me of where I'm at and those are good. These are good mm-hmm. limits that you've that you've made for me. And I will rest in them. And that that's important. So good anyway. Very good. It was yeah. a good week of reading. It was and a good we week are reading. we are wrapping up our reading of God's word. So I hope you'll uh don't be afraid to join in right here at the last little bit. You can in uh, wrap up the reading with us and uh and then join us as we begin again uh in season three of the podcast. We will be reading through the Bible again Woo! and uh and one of the reasons why i love doing the podcast is because we discover each and every time that uh that, that every time we read through it every time you read through it no matter how many years you read through the bible god reveals new and amazing things some things he brings back to you that oh my goodness i've i've wrote, i've looked back in my journal and every year like for like four years in a row write down the same passage and basically get the same thing but it's like something that god's saying you still need to hear this again uh but sometimes something completely different and a whole different perspective so uh so i hope you'll join us in that uh like i said before our website is fbcj.us that's where the reading plan is and hopefully you will join us next time on Understanding Jesus.